my dear respected and most honorable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His house, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Before we begin, I'd like to humbly request some of the brothers and the younger brothers, mashallah. Uh, it's half time, so we've got a lot of younger brothers in. Come forward. Come forward. Allah bless you. Don't be afraid of the front stuff. Over the last couple of weeks, we've um, discussed some varying issues. A few weeks ago, we spoke about the uh, superstitions and Islam, the tayyur, uh, and having tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We discussed topics such as uh, Friday the 13th, when Jummah fell on the 13th of October. During this time of year, when it comes to October, and the beginning of November, we usually have some of these topics at the forefront of our minds. Tatayur, superstitions, Halloween, bonfire night. These are customs that we've become accustomed to seeing uh, and hearing about and reading about over the last uh, 20 or 30 years. And I think gradually and ever so slowly, they're becoming more and more commonplace. As Muslims, what should be our response to those customs that directly impact our Iman, that directly affect our Deen? Customs that are rooted in paganism, for example, and as we'll prove that Halloween is, is one of those customs. Not only do Muslims disagree with such customs in christianity over the last couple of hundred years there has been a drastic change to try and bring about some sort of resolution to these problems that people face as muslims we have two holidays throughout the year eid al-fitr and eid al-adha does that mean that aside from those two holidays we're serious people we're not allowed to celebrate anything we're not allowed to smile, we're not allowed to be happy and be jovial. No, of course not. But that also doesn't mean that we go to the other extreme and make our entire lives a celebration of sorts. That we're always out trying to have a good time, having fun, partying, celebrating at each and every opportunity that we get. To understand some of the cultural issues that we face living here in the UK and our Muslim brothers living in Western Europe. We need to look at the origins of some of the uh, traditions 
and customs that have, been, that have become prevalent <coughs> over the last 20 or 30 years. One of those customs is Halloween. And the reason why I discuss this is because we had some students, I had some students in our madrasa a week, in, in the last week they've been asking me about Halloween and dressing up as in costumes and scary costumes and as ghosts and so forth. And it seems quite fun to them to dress up in costume and have a little bit of fun. And especially when it comes time to go in house to house collecting sweets and candy, you can't take children away from that. They're going to be right at the front of that. We need to look at the history of such traditions in order to understand whether this is a custom that is acceptable to us as Muslims, whether this is a tradition that uh, Islam is in favor of or supports or even permits, or whether Islam outrules it or whether Islam has something to say about it. With regards to the uh, topic of, of Halloween, because we have that coming up uh, now uh, on the 20, 31st of, of October, the tradition itself, and it's important for you to know that, it's important for you to know what you're doing and why you're doing it. The same goes with every, any aspect of our faith. It's important for you to know why we pray. Not only how you pray, you need to know why you pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why do you supplicate to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Why within your faith there are certain restrictions? Why don't we drink alcohol? It's easy for us to say to someone who drinks alcohol, don't drink it. Why? Oh, it's haram in Islam, even if it was a Muslim brother. Well, why is it haram? What's wrong with it? It's important for you to educate yourselves in order for you to educate your, your offspring, to educate your children about these issues. So the tradition of Halloween is, is something that we need to ensure that we educate ourselves first before we approach our children with regards to how it should be celebrated or if it should be celebrated at all. It evolved from the ancient Celtic holiday of, of Samhain. And this is, uh, this is rooted in the belief that on the 31st of October, being the last day of the year for them, or the harvest season, because it's that transition between the summer and the winter. Due to that transition, they created a holiday which was it started off the proceedings for winter they believed that the transition between the seasons was a bridge to this world and the unknown it was believed that this particular night the 31st of october was an evil night when spirits roamed the streets and they roamed the villages and this is something that they, these are beliefs that they held, the Celtics, as early as 800 AD. On the night of Halloween itself, to avoid being recognized by those ghosts, because their ghosts were roaming the streets, the people would disguise themselves. They would dress up like ghosts and like ghostly figures. So the ghosts would... Uh, uh, would uh, <laughs> would look at them and think, oh, well, this is a fellow ghost of ours, is, is, is not somebody that we need, to, we need to scare. They hoped that the ghosts would mistake them for, for, fellow, uh, for fellow spirits. 
and then to keep the ghosts away from their houses, they would uh, appease the ghosts. They would try to please them and prevent them from entering by placing uh, food or some type of food outside of their doors so that pe the ghosts could take the food and be happy with it. They won't need to enter the house now. Everybody is safe. They've got their candy. Everybody is okay. So that's where the practice of trick-or-treating came from. And it comes from the tradition uh, of, um, of priests at the time and poor citizens who would go around begging for, for, for food and families would give them treats. And again, this is spoken about in Christianity as well. They would call them soul cakes that they would give to priests and poor uh, people who would desire um, food. And in return for giving them the food on this night, because they understood, the poor people knew that people are going to give or leave food outside of their homes. And in, in exchange for giving it to them, the people who owned the homes would say or would request the, the poor people and the priests to pray for them on that specific night so that the ghosts wouldn't enter their homes and they would ask them to pray for their uh, families dead relatives when Christianity came to the British Isles the church tried desperately to take <coughs> the attention away from these pagan rituals by placing a Christian holiday on the same day and that Christian festival the Christian holiday is known as the feast of all saints and the idea was although it acknowledges the saints of the Christian faith in much but what it does is it acknowledges those, those saints in exactly the same way the festival of the pagan festival of Samhain acknowledged the spirits and the ghosts. They only changed it around a little bit. The customs of Samhain continued to survive. Um, it, there was just a transition into Christendom that they tried to make it a bit more uh, Christian-like. And then these traditions from the British Isles were taken to America and to Canada uh, when, when the people migrated there. So this is the, uh, a, a quick breakdown, and this is very quick, this is something that I, that I looked into, of how this, this festival of Halloween came about. And it's important for us, it's important for us to, to understand, it's important for us to understand the history behind the ritual itself. It's important for us to understand the history behind the tradition or the custom itself. Because now when we look at the history and we find that it's rooted in paganism, that people paid uh, uh, attention to evil spirits and they made offerings to evil spirits and ghosts. And even if you look at the, the, the customs of trick-of-treating, the images or the imagery surrounding this entire custom or this entire tradition, the images of of black bats, the images of, uh, uh, of, uh, of ghost-like costumes. And sometimes that costume can become quite immodest also. When we look at the custom of the, the, the jack-o'-lantern, the jack-o'-lantern, there's, there's an old story of a man named Jack. And, this, uh, this, and the Irish brought this tradition into, into Halloween. They, they report that there was a man named Jack who was known to be quite stingy and he was a drunken individual. He was an evil drunkard who was very stingy. And 
once Jack, he made this trick, or he played this trick on the devil, on the shaitan, he played this trick. And with that trick, the devil promised not to take his soul. So, because he had been duped, the devil was quite upset with Jack. And he promised never to leave Jack alone. And when Jack died, he tried to enter heaven, and he was... Uh, refused entry and then he tried to enter hell and he was also refused entry by the devil and he roams around on the 31st of October on the night of Halloween uh, uh, and people then would actually light up a um, because Jack was lost they would they would light lanterns it was called the Jacko lantern the lantern of Jack and they would keep it outside their homes and on their streets so because Jack was lost and he couldn't find his way uh, he needed some light in order, for, in order to be guided. And that tradition then evolved over time from a lantern to a pumpkin. Uh, and that's how you find the tradition of the pumpkin today. Again, all of these are, are completely baseless. They have uh, absolutely no authenticity behind these stories. They're based on tatayur, which we've already discussed. Superstitions. Superstitions which ultimately draws your tawakkul away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When you begin to believe that me seeing a black, by seeing a black cat or by walking underneath a ladder, something bad is going to happen to me. You automatically begin to lose your faith and reliance upon the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is one of the articles of our faith. Qadr, destiny, predetermination. خَيْرِهِ وَشَرِّهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى Good and bad is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you begin to associate good and bad to people and to ordinary things, that something can happen, your lucky charm, luck, luck doesn't exist. It doesn't. When we begin to, fa when we, when we begin to place our trust and our reliance upon objects, it's a form of idolatry because we're we're, we're placing the, the trust and the reliance and the tawakkul that we should have on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're placing on inanimate objects. And when that begins to happen, when we begin to place our trust and reliance upon them and lose our trust and reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we stop praying, we stop believing in Him, we stop believing in His attributes of all-powerful, all-seeing, all-hearing. And slowly you begin to lose our faith. But aside from the, the customs and the traditions and how they're rooted in paganism, just look at the money spent. Look, I, I, I looked in um, uh, at Forbes, and in Forbes, it was listed that the total spending in 2016, last year, the total spending uh, for the festival of Halloween in America, it topped 8.4 billion dollars and the average American celebrating he spent 83 dollars the average American spent 83 dollars on decoration on candy and on costumes for one night so not only is this pagan ritual something that is frowned upon within our faith because it draws our trust and reliance away from, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it gives us belief in, in superstitions which 
which are unfounded, which are unauthentic. It also is a waste of, of, uh, of huge amounts of money. Think of the amounts of money that could be spent uh, uh, trying to alleviate uh, poverty. You know, 80, uh, 8.4 <coughs> 8 billion goes a long way in eradicating poverty. The Prophet ﷺ told us that when you initiate a good action, he who, he, he who initiates a good sunnah, a good practice, then he'll get the reward for not only practicing it himself, but those who practice it, those who act upon it. And he who initiates a bad sunnah, a bad practice, then he will get the reward for those who act upon it. And you'll get the punishment for those who act upon it as well. If I do something good, I initiate a good practice, my children, my students follow me, then inshallah Allah will give me the reward for that. If on the other hand, I do something bad and people imitate me, people follow me, then not only will I get the punishment for committing that sin myself, I'll get the punishment for all of those individuals who are committing it because of me. And this is one of those actions. This is something that, you know, 10, 10 15 years ago, and those of you who grew up here, and, uh, you will know this. When we would hear or see the bonfires and the fireworks and everything else during this particular time, uh, not much attention was paid to it except for the, the fireworks. We didn't know much about Halloween. We didn't know much about uh, dressing up in costumes and going out trick-or-treating. None of that. But now over the last couple of years, I've noticed myself this surge in trying to imitate, in, tr in trying to follow. You know, Im imitation is good when it's imitating a good thing. But when you begin to imitate people in doing bad things, when you begin to imitate people in doing things that are wrong, that are taking you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then that imitation is not a good imitation. And our young brothers who are here, who are here it's extremely difficult for them because they see regularly, day in and day out, when they go to school and people are talking about all of these parties and people are talking about this particular party and this is a fancy dress and a costume party and they think to themselves, look, I want to attend that. That sounds fun. I'd like to be a part of that. It sounds intriguing to them. And it's difficult for us to say to them, no, it's haram. You see, that's, that's very dismissive. I, was, uh, I remember when I was uh, uh, very young and uh, we asked or someone asked the Imam uh, re regarding uh, one of these rituals, I believe it was Halloween or, or something else, uh, can you explain it to us and what Islam has to say about it? He said, it's haram. The Imam said, it's, it's haram, that's it, it's simple, it's haram. It's not allowed, it's unacceptable. And everybody went quiet and nobody questioned him further. You see, that's, that's dismissive. Because without explaining it to them, how are they ever going to know? Without explaining the reasoning behind that, how are they ever going to know? And in fact, I believe firmly that that's going to get them even more intrigued. And they're going to want to experiment. They're, experiment. they're going to want to know what's going on. And it's your job to educate yourselves in order for you to educate them. You see some of these traditions and some of these customs, uh, they do actually draw us away from our, from our faith. 
on the 31st of October, uh, when people dress up and when people go out, then they're not just going out to, to worship. They're not going out to do something good. Okay. The, the, the hall? Yeah. The hall is open downstairs. Inshallah, the, the, the hall downstairs for the, for the sisters um, and the side hall for the brothers next door is open uh, for those individuals who, who, who wish to pray there. Inshallah, we'll announce that at the end when, they, when the hall begins to get full. The Prophet وسلم, said, Kullukum ra'in wa kullukum mas'oolun an Each and every one of you is a shepherd and you're all responsible for your flock. So you're responsible for your families. You're responsible for the people that you have under your care. And within that responsibility that you have, there's education. And the education, first and foremost, must come from you. So when you try to teach your children about some of these festivals and about how some things are, 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 are unacceptable to our faith and why we must stay away from them, you must adopt a sensitive approach, an understanding approach. Just merely dismissing it and saying it's wrong, it's evil, it's unacceptable, it's haram. It's not going to do it. That's not going to inspire them. They need to know why. So consider some of these tips when you're discussing some of these issues with your children. Number one, get the facts. Understand why. When you say to your children that Halloween is haram, or celebrating Halloween is haram, dressing up in these costumes and going out and trick-or-treating and getting a pumpkin. They're going to ask you, why? What's wrong with it? It's just a pumpkin. It's just dress. It's just fancy dress. There's nothing wrong with the dress that I'm wearing. What's wrong with me painting my face? What's wrong with me going door-to-door and asking for, for, for candy? What's wrong with that? So you need to ensure that you have the answers. So you can tell them where the tradition of the pumpkin comes from, that lantern of, of Jack. And who was Jack? He was, uh, uh, you know, th- this pagan figure that people, in fact, worshipped. Deep-rooted in Halloween is the worship of the devil. You need to understand and approach it sensitively, in a sensitive manner, where you can teach them this, some of these issues. So they know, they're well-informed. And you have to respect their intellect. When you just dismiss them by saying no and haram, you're not respecting their intellect. Children are very perceptive and children imitate. From a young age, when you have a child, how does a child learn how to talk? He watches you talk, he hears you talk. How does a child learn how to walk? He watches and sees you walk and imitates you. So you're in a a position of, of great responsibility. And you need to exercise that with caution and with a lot of care and attention. It's important for you to have a united position, the, the husband and the wife, when you're teaching your children. You can't have the, you know, the, it usually tends to happen, right? When you have a child and he wants something and he goes to the, to the father and the father says, no, they think, let me chance my luck with mum, right? Mum's more soft-hearted. Goes to mum and mum, can I do this? Mum's going to say, okay, go on, go on, my son. Go, or go on my daughter, you can do it. Have a united position because that then, you know, that it becomes a bit of a joke. Because when you're, when you're not on the same page, the two of you, then, then it, doesn't, it doesn't inspire confidence in the children. So be united. If you've taken a stance, then take it together with the facts, with the information. Be sensitive 
to your children. Show compassion. Introduce these kind of topics to your children by asking them questions. What do you feel about this? What do you think about Halloween? What do you think about celebrating some of these festivals? How do you think they should be celebrated? Find out what their friends or, or, or say about it or what their school has organized with regards to it. Find out, be informed so your children understand and appreciate the fact and they will appreciate the fact that you're involved in their lives, that you're wanting to know more about it and make, make sure you really listen to them. Don't dismiss them when they express their feelings. A child is a child. A child will always tell the truth. A child is innocent. A child will say, no, I want to celebrate Halloween. I want to go out trick-or-treating. I want to get some sweets. <coughs> Explain it to them. Don't dismiss them. Don't allow them not to express their feelings. And in a way, I, I'd say go as far as validating their feelings. Say it's fine for you to feel that way. It's understandable. I understand it. I appreciate the fact that you feel this way. Once you've done that, then explain your position to them. Present your research to them so they know mum and dad know what they're talking about. And they'll listen to you. They'll appreciate your position also. Another thing is that we, we must accept reality. And reality is that... Uh, you know, children from, from, from Muslim families celebrate some of these festivals. So children, your children are very clever, mashallah. They will say to you, well, if that's the case, if it's, you know, you've told us all of this, then what about so-and-so's family? They're Muslims. They celebrate these festivals. Children will always find a way to get their way. And you need to explain why that family is responsible or those parents are responsible for their family and I'm responsible for you. So I have to teach you according to the best of my ability. Right? So it, it makes them, it gives them, it paints a picture in their mind of what the reality actually is. Teach them to be proud of who they are. Be proud of, of, of their religion, be proud of their tradition, be proud of their culture. Remind your children that it's okay to be different. We're not all the same. All of you sitting here today are not the same. You come from different parts of the world, different geographical locations scattered all over the globe, but yet you've come here together. Yet you're going to stand up and pray together, standing up side by side. Explain to your children that we come from different cultures, we come from different backgrounds. We may do things differently. And explain to them why it's okay to be different. And when you go to school and you find people doing things in a different way to you, praying to a different God than you, then know it's okay for you to be different from them. Explain that to them. Don't allow them to make up their own minds. Don't allow them to do their own research at such a young age without being equipped with the appropriate tools. When you look at some of the cases of radicalization and extremism today, where does the vast majority of radicalization and extremism take place? Does it take place in schools? Does it take place in mosques? No. It takes place online. When these individuals, they become uh, uh, isolated or they isolate themselves, break off from everybody else and they go online and they get the, this research or they do their research and they, they look into these things and they become radicalized. It's happened. 
We were discussing just the other day an individual who, and, and, and there are many cases of this, Muslims who are going online and, and, and studying atheism online and becoming atheists. This is happening. This is happening in your community, in our community. And you know, partly we're to blame for that, me and you. We are, because when we, these, these children are our children. It's important for us to educate them, but we can only educate them if we're educated ourselves. And understand how to approach them in a sensitive manner. Not just be dismissive of them and say, listen, I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you go and celebrate this pagan holiday and you become a non-Muslim, you become a kafir, I don't want to have anything to do with you. You know, that's dismissive. That's never going to help alleviate some of the problems that you have. And lastly, specifically with regards to, to this, this holiday, and I'm telling you, you may not consider it to be of substance or you may not consider it to be something that you need to discuss with your children, but I assure you that you do. It's everywhere. Halloween is, is something that is, is being celebrated. Children are participating in this, whether it be in schools, whether it be outside on the streets, on the night of the 31st, it's important for you to educate them. So find different innovative ways to keep them interested. Reward your children. Don't only have you know, sweets and money that you give to them, whatever you give to them on the two days of Eid. Reward them on other days also. Reward them for, uh, for being who they are. Make them understand that you're, you're not a, a grumpy individual who doesn't want to have any fun or wants to take fun out of their lives. They'll just end up hating you. It's important for you to understand that and, uh, uh, and explain the significance of our Islamic celebrations and the meanings and the purpose behind them. Even when it comes to Eid, the vast majority of our children have absolutely no idea why we celebrate Eid. All they, when you ask your children, I guarantee you this, go home today, ask your children, what do you know about Eid? Tell me everything about Eid. They'll tell you that it's a day of eating, dressing up nice and getting some money from uh, from aunts and uncles and elders. That's about it. They have absolutely no understanding. The vast majority of them, illa masha'Allah, right? The vast majority of them have no understanding of these celebrations, and that's partly down to, to me and you not explaining to them in the right way. So we pray that, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give, give us all the unique understanding uh, and appreciation of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and the understanding that sometimes we're going to make mistakes. The understanding that sometimes we're going to err, we're going to forget. And it's important for us to have that support among each other to kind of reel us back in. Right? And, and be sensitive to each other's sufferings and be sensitive to, to each other's questions. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that compassion. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant each and every individual among us the ability to overcome some of these issues.